Yeah, I had to do the title. I had to do a description, especially, and then it made me do one for YouTube and one for Twitch. And so I think at this point we are live. And so hello, everybody, uh, to anybody out there. Welcome back. This is uh, episode number two of Guys Night, and it has been a very interesting episode to even get started. Um, I had somebody who was on the stream earlier and who's gonna be joining us, and hopefully he'll come back on uh, either tonight or in the future. And then uh, we had somebody, another co-host, Brian, who was on the last episode, who ended up uh, having a dead battery out of nowhere. And so he may even be joining us soon. So we got a few who may be popping in uh, but I did want to get started uh, because I did tell uh, our private men's group on Facebook that I was going to get started around seven. And so it's about eight, so I'm about an hour behind. And I'm lucky enough to be joined by Robert Grant here. Robert, it was actually a surprise for you to hit me up. And you know what's funny is um, you're a group expert in the One More Light uh, men's support group that I run. And I had been considering back when I was doing interviews and stuff, I don't know if I actually hit you up about it, but I was considering having you on for an interview at some point, like a one-on-one interview. And so this is kind of, you know, how we, I guess, ended up getting there. Uh, You ended up commenting. Out of the blue, right? Glad you can make it on. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's a a rare night of like nothing going on. So it's actually, (laughs) it's perfect. Never happens. Yeah, no, well, I'm glad for you. I'm glad you get to hang with me for a little bit. Um, I'm actually, uh, I had our first episode of the Guys Night podcast just a couple of days ago uh, with Jesse, and he's going to be joining me regularly. He's going to be kind of the main co-host as far as me scheduling um, the calls, and then I've got a group of a few other good dudes who are going to be joining every episode that they can basically uh, based on everybody's schedule. And uh, I wanted to get one out because I'm actually getting ready. We were talking uh, before the live stream started about, you know, the week being busy and all of that. And uh, I'm actually uh, getting ready to go on a company trip tomorrow. And Mm. so I wanted to get an episode out because I'm going to be gone for like four or five days. We're going to work Christmas party. Ah, it's just an hour away, Dallas. Oh, oh, you're driving. Okay. okay. No, no, no. Actually, I'm flying, which is funny. Oh, really? Yeah, it's only an hour flight, so I'll be in the air for less than an hour, pinky up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am not. Right. I am not paying for it. So Look, yes, there, there is something about a free airplane trip that just hits different. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is. That is like just the like that is pinnacle of like stuff that's better when it's free pinnacle doesn't oh, yeah. even matter where you're going oh no i hate flying if i'm paying for it i have never been on a flight that i've paid for that i've like legitimately enjoyed um yeah. but yes a free paid for flight i will enjoy this flight i will enjoy yeah. my nap um it won't be a very long nap because it's an <laughs> hour flight i probably should have drove um but the company decided that they were going to pay for the for the flight up to dallas i'll spend the next three days there working and then on uh friday night um there's going to be a nice christmas party and i'll be out there celebrating with my team uh who's had a great year i've only been with the company for uh, about four months now and we've been a top performing office in the entire company since i got there uh well since about a month after i got there and made some changes and uh, now we're going to have a good time, but I'm getting ready for that. And 
it's been a tough week trying to get because you know business doesn't stop i'm in recruiting and recruiting doesn't stop and hiring doesn't stop and so we're having to do continue to do our jobs while also getting ready for the trip so it's been kind of exhausting kind of tiring um if you wouldn't mind tell me a little bit about for anybody out there who may be watching um you've been on past uh adventures of mine when it comes to youtubing and stuff uh but you've got a you've got quite a background as well to everybody about yourself and and how your week's been ah well i'm robert i'm a an entrepreneur for for better or for worse uh but in addition to being an entrepreneur, I have a couple of jobs as well, um, but they are focused on entrepreneurship. So that's kind of a contradiction, jobs about entrepreneurship. But um, basically, I'm a business consultant uh, for the state of Georgia and for um, a local nonprofit that I'm the executive director for. So basically, I just deal with entrepreneurs and creating entrepreneurs and assisting entrepreneurs uh day in and day out it's i'm i'm a, a, a sort of a therapist <laughs> quite frankly like a lot of the conversations that i have with clients sound more like a uh a therapy session than business coaching at times but um that kind of summarizes uh sort of who i am professionally um I guess, uh, you know, in addition to that, like I said, I'm an entrepreneur. So I actually have a greeting card business uh, called Print Your Sheet. And uh, it's the Christmas season. So as you can imagine, uh, the holidays are kind of go time. Um, and sort of what's making my week long is that this is go time for a greeting card business, but I could use a lot more sales. Uh, this year has been very, very light in comparison to uh, years past. You mean um, specifically with the greeting card thing or with uh, yeah, just with in general? Okay. Greeting cards. Because, I mean, you've got so many things going on. I'm wondering if it yeah. was one aspect. <laughs> I mean, I would say everything from a business perspective is down, but not as like, it's not as compartmentalized as the holidays. Like it's been on like, it was like on a steady decline, maybe for like, I don't know, two years, give or take. Uh, but I guess it's been trending upward, but it's just still low. Um, it's probably not for this, um, not for this podcast, but when people say the economy is terrible, I'm just trying to figure out exactly where that is because what I see uh, from the business perspective doesn't quite look that way, but different podcasts yeah. all together well, I, well and and going back to you know kind of what we were talking about a little bit I, I gave you a brief mention of it before the podcast started was there is no topic that doesn't relate and so i'm sure the economy for better or for worse is affecting um quite a number of people's as, as a matter of fact I'd, I'd imagine economic uh upturns and downshifts uh have quite the impact on men's mental health actually uh, oh, yeah. For entrepreneurs out there like yourself, business owners and things like that, which um, I did want to point out, too. I almost mentioned it before we got started with the live stream, but I wanted to go ahead and capture it while we were actually live on stream, which is um, that I had reached out to you about becoming an entrepreneur myself and right, starting yeah. my own business. And I wanted to give you a heads up that, yes, I realize I haven't actually scheduled the next call like I was supposed to. Uh, so. Mia culpa or whatever, however that saying is, my bad. 
Um, and it goes into kind of one of the topics that I wanted to talk about tonight was, you know, this holiday season has been very stressful. Um, you know, I've got a to-do list. I've got on my little notebook here. I keep a notebook because of my ADHD. I got to keep track of things. Oh, wow. Of all my to-dos and I rewrite it daily and transfer it over to a new page. And uh, you've been on that list for quite some time, <laughs> but uh, haven't actually gotten to it. So my bad, I promise. Well, here's the thing. Um, it's fine yeah. because uh, Sierra is going to start uh, emailing you relentlessly. Like the only reason it hasn't happened is because holidays <laughs> and okay, we've good. been slowing down. But it's funny you say you keep a notebook because I do too, but it's electronic. Oh, that's a much nicer notebook. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, the battery's dead right now, but I. Oh, that's pretty dope. I need to plug that in. But I was going to say for anybody out there that you take a lot of notes or you write things down, a remarkable is what this is called. A remarkable. All right. I will keep that in mind, actually, yeah. because these, I've got like five or six more of these and it. I was actually uh -huh. noticing when I tear the page out, which is kind of satisfying, I will say, when I finish off, um, you know, an actual page of to do. Sure, sure. But when I tear it out, like it leaves little pieces of paper yeah. all over my all over my carpet and stuff in front of my desk. So it's not the greatest. Um, but yeah, anyway, I was going to talk about those holiday stressors. And you had mentioned before we even got started that, you know, it's been uh, a tiring few weeks. And I know that's definitely the case for me. How's it been for you? Is it the holidays in general or just business, family? Well, okay. If I, if, if, you know, if we switch gears from professional to personal, mm -hmm. the holidays are kind of, it's kind of whatever for me. Like it, it, it doesn't get like bad or anything like that. Like, um, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, will, you know, have, you know, things revolving around like, you know, grief and things, you know, around the holidays, like, don't really yep, have, right. yeah, don't, don't really have any of that really going on. Mm -hmm. um, like there are, you know, certainly, you know, there are people I would rather be there at Christmas, but it's not, you know, it, it it's not something that brings me down during the holidays. Like I know it can happen with a lot of people, but mm -hmm. um, I think it's more that in my line of work towards the end of the year, we're scrambling to wrap things up before January 1st. Um because we're trying to squeeze a lot of things in in business before January 1st. So I just get busy, 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 and then it all drops off the end. So I guess the only thing that keeps me kind of sane is knowing that it's all going to stop here in a couple of weeks and I'll get a few weeks to breathe. Um, so, you know, knowing you're going to have a chance to rest definitely makes the, the escalation of the work easier, I think. Yeah. Um, and so I was, you did bring up something that I was going to bring up when it comes to, you know, some of the, and I'm glad it's not something that you face, but I know um, in the men's group, I've talked about um, uh, the Facebook men's group. I've talked about how the holidays can be rough for some. A lot of that is me talking about me. Uh, I know that from personal experience, just, you know, regrets about, or not regrets. What's the word that I'm looking for? Um, you know, just like memories of past Christmases and, you know, holiday seasons and just the best ones. And I don't know, just they they never seem to um, live up anymore as you get older to to the ones in the past and the ones yeah. from when you were younger. And there wasn't all the 
the stress and the weight and the pressure. Even now, like this is actually, you know, I'd say in the past four or five years going to turn out to be one of my better um, holiday seasons. I'm going on a great business trip, like I mentioned, mm-hmm. um, celebrating a very successful year with uh, with my team at work. Uh, financially, I mean, I'm not killing it as me and you have talked about privately when, with your, uh, with your consulting. Um, but at the same time, compared to how I was, yes, yes, sir. Uh, compared to how I was earlier in the year, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was unemployed, you know, around January of last year, I was unemployed. I was depressed. I was, uh, in a bad place. And then, you know, I was broke for a long time. And so I'm in a much better place. I can afford, you know, presents and and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, that's but good. even then, it's like you, I can't help but continue to compare it to past years. And every once in a while, when I'm feeling in a down mood or a little, little depressed, it's like it's hard to compare it to those great Christmases. You know, when you're surrounded by your favorite family and sure. um, uh, the kids and everybody's celebrating. That's really something that never really, never really gets to you. I mean, so you are divorced, and what I'm wondering is, you know, are you, are you saying that like, uh, like does some of that play into that? Um, I would, I, I'm more so even talking about, but yeah, I would say a lot of that does play into it to, to be honest. Um, you know, remembering, you know, Christmases with the kids and, and all of that. Um, but really where I find myself really going back to is childhood, you know, because even with, even with, remembering christmases with the kids and stuff like a fun christmas like it's all on it's all on us now right, like, mm-hmm. right, we're, right. We're, we're footing the bill you know mm-hmm. it's just so the magic is gone of you know somebody else <laughs> right. is putting the christmas presents right. under the tree yeah Santa. somebody else is yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Santa, <guy>. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know and so there's a lot of responsibility like i got um i don't think she'll end up watching this so i'll uh, i'll go ahead and say it but I got a PS5 for one of my for one of my kids, my my daughter, because she wanted it. I'm sitting there looking at it. For one, it took a lot uh, of budgeting and figuring out to make it happen. Uh, and then for two, I'm sitting there looking at the thing sitting in my closet, like, damn it, I wanted one of those. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still don't have one. I wanted one. <laughs> yeah, I um yeah, I, I I can see that. Obviously, I haven't been there just yet because my kid's only you know barely a year old. But mm-hmm. um, you know he'll he he would be thrilled with uh, uh, an empty water bottle is actually his jam. So <laughs> there's <laughs> the bar isn't set very high yet. But you know yeah. that, that kind of stuff is something that you know I've thought about because it's like I'm you know I'm sure you know it's a, a balancing act of you want to do something to make your kid happy but at the same time you don't want to lose the house over it <laughs> yeah. yeah and then well uh, and thankfully for, i mean honestly you're at a good age you're at the at some of the more fun ages as far as christmas goes like where he's gonna like you said be more interested in a water bottle or the empty box that the president right yeah the in, box the than the president game. itself yeah. <laughs> So you can just yeah. focus on quantity because he doesn't, he's not, yeah. he's not old enough to give a shit about quality. Get, get him a, get, just get him a pile of stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that They just want the quantity things to open. So actually that's. Close this door. Oh yeah, go for it. Um, that's a, that's actually an interesting 
you know, kind of difference between us and, and difference between me and a lot of people in all honesty, my age is, yeah, we are on kind of two opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, I got a 22 year old son now. He'll, he'll be in, in January. And mm -hmm. so I, you know, had 20 years of, of that. And now you're just getting started. So is this his first Christmas or what? Um, well, I mean, he, he was in existence last Christmas, uh, but he was actually, no, he was home from the NICU. So he had like just come home like a few, like a couple weeks before that. Um, but you know, he was, you know, so was that a, <laughs> a was that a more stressful Christmas? Is this going to be the more relaxed and fun one for you then, seeing as he was, uh, you know, just getting home from the NICU around Christmas last time? Not really. I mean, I honestly wouldn't say at that point it was very stressful. Because, um, you know, it was, okay, <laughs> this is where I either get friends or enemies by some of the things I'm going to say, okay? All right. Um, I like it. I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Buckle up. You know, <laughs> I personally didn't find like the infant baby phase to really be that difficult. <laughs> like yeah. it was a lot of stuff to do. Um, you know, it, there was a lot going on uh, for for me and my wife. Um, and eventually, it caught up with me. It, it absolutely eventually caught up with me, but it took a long time. Like, I want to say we got to almost six months, really, you know, at least five, five-ish before it really started catching up with me and like taking a toll of like, you know, the lost sleep over a long period of time. Um, but, you know, but what I'm getting at right now is that during that, that earliest stage, um, it wasn't really that bad. It was, you know, and I, I think, I think also my son is just kind of just easy. Like, I think we got very, very. Lucky. Oh yeah. You just got, then you just got lucky too. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I think there's there are some babies like, out there. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, he's always been a really good sleeper, um, which helps a lot, but um, you know, results may vary is what I'm saying. But at that time it wasn't, it wasn't really adding a lot, but I think, we were still, well, I'll just speak for myself. I was still trying to like navigate that. Um, this is also where I get friends or enemies where, you know, people, they say um, it was love at first sight with your kids. Like, no, I just met this dude. Okay. <laughs> and like, I don't know you from a can of paint. Okay. We're, we have to get to know each other here. And I'm still trying to like navigate that and like, mm trying to figure out like you know what's wrong with me should i just be feeling all these emotions and feelings like i even knew not to pressure myself on that mm -hmm. but it still was there so that kind of thing was more i guess emotionally and like taxing on me at that point than you know the babe like the physical Wait, which part of it was emotionally taxing like you beating yourself up over not feeling ways that you thought you should feel right yeah like you know the butterflies and you know meadows and <laughs> all of that warm and fuzzy stuff um it's funny you wow I, i'm i'm honestly shocked you might be the first person i've i've mentioned that 
uh, in passing with other uh, other people, other fathers, and I've basically made the same argument. Um, but I've never, I think you're the first person to bring it up before I did when it comes to actually talking about that. I think and, it's something uh, there, that everyone feels, but we're just not like, you feel like you're not allowed to admit that. Well, I, and that's, I, that's what I've always wondered about. And I brought this up and by the way, welcome, Brian. Good to have you here. Uh, sorry. Hi, sorry. Battery. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. Sorry, I'm running a little late. <laughs> no, no, no. It's all good. Uh, we were, we were all, well, besides me, we're all running behind. So uh i'm glad we got it going so we were just talking about past christmases but then robert just brought up something that i was not planning on talking about but it's something that i've mentioned before and uh, i used to feel the same way as you robert where i felt kind of weird about it at first but then my experience with kids was yeah as a dad like you didn't carry it for nine months like you right. didn't like women right it almost makes sense that, you know, there's that instant bond, that instant, like, true love oh. and, and all that. And I think for oh. guys, like, it is much more abstract. And I'm not, I, I will be honest, yeah, when my, especially when my first child was born, when my son came out, it was like, what is this little weird thing? And I was only, right. I was only 17 <laughs> right. years old at the time. You I know, my, never, no idea what I was doing. My facial expression when he came out was, hmm. <laughs> yeah know? well for one if you're there and you watch like it's fucking yeah. gross <laughs> it's right. horrifying it's fucking yeah. horrifying and my <laughs> wife's was particularly bad so it was a c-section but i mean she almost oh. died so like it was like going into this like am i gonna leave this hospital less a wife am i gonna leave out of here by myself yeah. like I'm i had a very similar experience so i can feel you there oh my god <laughs> Yeah, and and I uh, I feel like uh, the same way where I had always heard from father, and even after I had, and I've got three now, and I went through the same experience with all of them. You know, oh, I automatic, I love them, and you know, all these all these flowery shit. And I remember being real with myself, like, no, like the love was really built over over time. Like, yeah, there was like this abstract kind of love, like, oh, that's my child, and it was very. It was like this abstract form of attachment, but right. the real love and the real attachment was built by being there. And right. what like the social evidence that I have to back up that I think that might be the case for most men in reality um, so. is the fact that there's so many more absent fathers than there are absent mothers, because I do think it's easier uh, emotionally for a man to abandon a child early on because if they abandon that child before they form that bond they've been there for the diaper changes and literally i've had, you know gotten pee in my mouth invested in shit on invested. yeah i've gotten puked on yeah. and you know after all that time and investment and then you watch the first steps and the first words and the yeah. this and the that um then you have that investment but i could understand i could see why men tend to you know hundred percent from their children's life because if you take off it's like this abstract concept like dude i have to come to texas to just buy you a drink like, <laughs> <laughs> but yes that's not a very it's not a very you know no, socially but, acceptable thing to, to say <laughs> if i had a nickel for every time like after about the three month mark when i said to myself i totally see how somebody could run away from this <laughs> Yeah, it gets fucking hard, dude. Right, like it's hard, like it's difficult, and it's like for me, I was just committed to it. You know what I mean? Like I just like I knew this was gonna be a shit show, 
And well, I'm that just... first year, especially <laughs> that first year is just utter chaos. You're learning everything along with your spouse and you have this tiny, just mast that all it does is shit scream <laughs> and, <laughs> and demand food, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And you're going with days without any real, like reputable sleep. So yeah, I can totally get why men with less constitution would just be like, all right, I've had enough. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. If they don't have any, any, like, I, I think it's really more of a cultural social push that yeah. men have to kind of stay involved early on. Um, and if you don't have that, you know, your dad was absent, your dad took off. Uh, I could see how there are a lot of men out there who don't have that example in that more, like I said, social or cultural push to, to actually stick around and do the right thing. Um, why that ends up happening. But yeah, it is, it is interesting that it's not very, I've, I've seen them on my Facebook page, you know, and um, the day the baby's born, these long expressions of love and, and bonding and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, bullshit. I'm like, <laughs> 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 oh God. It took a yeah, while. I, I can't remember when that flip happened. Um, I think it might have been the first. Go ahead. I I had a little bit different experience because Jen had such a difficult pregnancy and it was a high risk pregnancy. We were with the understanding that as soon as she was born, that we she was going to need, you know, several massive heart surgeries and all this stuff. So I had already, you know, formed a bond just because of my own heart issues and be like, crap, I passed this along to my kid. So there was already a bond there. And then she came out and they were like, oh, she's probably not even going to cry when she comes out. Bullshit comes out wailing, rattling jars on the shelf. So right then it was like, okay, definitely my kid, a stubborn asshole. I I think we're going to get along. (laughs) I love it. Um, Yeah. But even, even if, and I'm not saying that there can't be a bond there early on, I think um, with my third daughter, uh, my third child, my daughter, youngest daughter, especially when she came out, I, I immediately cried. Um, like it was much less abstract because I had been through it twice before as yeah. well. And so I understood what I was getting into. Um, but even then, I think whatever bond you start out with, it's made stronger through actually. Oh, being it's there and putting way different from yeah. when they're born to, you know, be like right now, my daughter's in second grade, totally different type of love there. Like originally it's like, yeah, I'd die for my kid. Now it's, I will fucking die. I will fucking kill. I will burn a goddamn town to the ground for my kid. <laughs> yeah, but that's built up and that's earned over mm-hmm. over being there and, and putting in the work, I think, as a dad. And I do think that there are differences. Yeah, with a mom, you know, she's carrying the baby for that nine months. It's not abstract. Like, she's feeling yeah. it. In, inside oh, yeah, it. It's not for as sure. Abstract, you know? And yeah, also but, the, other, the other thing. So uh, a lot over this time, I've learned the... Um, all the different lies that we've been fed about, uh, you know, from the male perspective of like pregnancy and having a baby and that, you know, some of the hardest stuff you'll deal with isn't the baby, it's your relationship. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. I was not ready. I was not ready at all. Like there was... My focus was so much on, you know, let me make sure that I do all the the, the technical things, like mm-hmm. the actual care of the baby correctly. And I wasn't ready for what was happening to our relationship. And the like, there was more stress on our relationship than there was on us, you know, 
Yeah. Well, I mean, they're dealing with all the hormonal changes and shit too. Right. So, you know, you have, you know, different levels of postpartum they're dealing with. And you as a guy, you're just like, I'm fucking tired, man. I just want to sleep for a while. And she's over there like freaking out because of, you know, body chemicals just going absolutely insane and dealing with the pain of recovering from that. Right, yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> and, and you know, yeah, you know what was odd enough is that the thing that like got me the most, and actually this is super relevant for where we're talking and what we're talking, mm-hmm. why we're talking, is that how like alone in it that I felt as a man, because the only person anybody ever asked about was her. Yeah. Or the baby, obviously. Yeah. And it was never like, how are you doing? Meanwhile... And me and my wife, like, we got into a huge fight because this actually, I ended up saying some of these things out loud. <laughs> Mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But it was just kind of like, I'm looking at it like, well, I mean, you're my partner. I I should, like, I have to be able to say, like, it, it was it was one of those things, like, it was going to come out because it had to come out. And she was the only one that this could come out to. But anyway, I digress from that, but you know, it was, I'm looking at it from, I almost watched my wife die. Yeah, for sure. And I'm just supposed to be okay because now I need to make sure that I'm supporting you and I am not okay. Like I need to get some of this off my chest, you know? Well, that's just, you know, unfortunately the perception of men is we're supposed to just be in the lobby, having the cigar during all that. Right. And then afterwards, just be like, yep, everything's fine. Oh, the missus is doing great. My bundle of joy is fantastic. Yeah. And it's like, well, dude, it, that's not modern life anymore. All right. Yeah. And I mean, for for women, thankfully, they, they need it. I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but there's also, you know, mommy groups and um, all these things that are designed to, to give that support. But I do think that, yeah, at least in the past, um, you know, it's been like, all right, as far as the guy, it's like, or the dad, it's like, well, you're the fact that you're even around is a surprise. So uh, <laughs> no, well, yeah. good luck. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Uh, and, and you'll figure it out. And I mean, that's where we're trying to uh, kind of make a change, right? It's providing those, those support groups. I mean, men it's on us to do it though. Right. Like we we complain about it, but it's also on us to do it, to provide those places. But I doubt that most men join a group of like fellow dads, like, Hey, I need advice on what to do and how to get through these, these times. But the fun goes away. You're dealing with the baby, you know, you do join a group of fellow dads and it's never talked about the actual emotions behind it or the actual struggles of being a parent. It's a bunch of dads talking about, Oh, is it Miller Lite or Bush Light? You know, is better. Oh, what 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 kind of car did you build? And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's great. You know, let's have conversations like that, break some of the tension, have a place to blow off steam. But it'd also be nice to talk about, you know, that deep pit in my heart I'm feeling and getting numb again and worried that I'm not actually going to be able to bond with this little bundle of joy living in my house that's screaming so loud that the windows are rattling. Yeah, I, I yeah, no, I think my kids. You joined a group. I joined a couple. And oh, nice. it, I wish it was what you were saying, Brian. <laughs> oh, no. Was it what, the was men's it? right activist shit? It was. No. OK, so part of the issue with the ones that I found in general mm-hmm. is that it was mostly like Gen Z 
I'm uh, I'm 37, just for reference. Yeah, same age here. Um, or 38. You, oh Jesus, I'm 38. God. How old are you, John? <laughs> also 38. So yeah. Okay. We're all, okay. We're so we're all, all the same, same age. Same, okay. Same age. Yeah. So you know, I mean, I'm not that old, but I'm older than a lot of them, and my parents are older than most people my age. Because my parents are like 72. Like my, my mom is 72. I'm right there so, with you. <laughs> so my parents are boomers. So I am a product of boomers. <laughs> All right. And they Elder are just, millennial with boomer parents. It makes for a fun combination, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah it, it gives you uh, an interesting uh, combination of, of uh, <laughs> moral codes. But I I just found you know this group of Gen Z. God, I'm so worried for our incoming generation. <laughs> hey, all right, we've we've got one person who commented uh, on Facebook who's also 37, but also let's. Uh, okay, I think uh, I I know who that is. Um, Levi, hey Levi, good to see you, buddy. Um, and so also 37, but I don't want to scare off Gen Z. <laughs> Was the advice just what, what was it? the advice or? Oh, it's all out? it's all so much like. Um, I think gentle parenting, I think, is the term you use. Like mm, it's just, yeah, yeah. it's so much of that. Like it's just like everything is a problem. Any kind of like anything that could put your child in any any form of discomfort or any kind of emotional stress like correcting them in the most simple ways you know we have to talk this through well that's not how that worked with me we're like no we're not going to talk anything through you're going to do I, I know what it was i almost got kicked out of a group because there was a it was basically a discussion about like telling a kid to do something because i said so and no, that's and, fascist, man. You can't be doing that. That's right. that's authoritarian, and that's going to destroy their sense of self. You know, you would, they, have, they... you would have thought that I was quoting Adolf Hitler. Okay. <laughs> no, because I said so. Because I fucking said so. <laughs> yeah, I don't, child. I do not owe you an explanation for anything. But then I start thinking about why do I feel like that? It's because my parents are boomers and that's how it worked. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And, uh, you know, as somebody who's raised three kids, uh, some successfully, uh, the others not so well, uh, I could have done a lot better. I do think that there's there's more of a balance there. We tend to, especially between generations, be like, okay, you have to always be like this. Yeah, it's, it's very much like these extremes. Um, I do think, you know, with my youngest, especially, uh, I tried to find more of a balance. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there are times where, you know what? I don't have time to sit here. I'm trying to stop you from running into a road and getting hit by a freaking yeah. car. Right. I don't have time to explain to you why you're going to stop because I said so it, literally for your own good. And, right. you know, it really does, you know, there's a, a real parenting um, need to be able to tell your kid when to do something just because you said so. Like, no, I don't have to explain to you why you're actively reaching towards this dangerous thing needs to stop. Um, right. But then at the same time, you know, I do think that there are maybe with boomer, uh, more boomer generation ideals, um, 
this like almost apprehension or aversion to explaining yourself at all. And it's like, you know, sometimes kids like with my youngest daughter, when I explain things to her, like I can see the respect forming between us when I, you know, I acknowledge that she understands certain things. Hey guys, I'll be right back in two seconds. Yeah, okay. no worries. When I acknowledge that she, um, you know, understands certain things and I, I speak to her more on, yeah. you know, uh, eye to eye level, I feel like that also has a lot of benefits too, but it really is situational and, and more dependent. I don't know what your thoughts are. Well, I think it like, especially with the boomer parent thing, I think that also comes down to the stigmatization of, especially once again, guys, having that emotional bond with their kids. Um, you know, I, I come at it from a little bit different perspective. Like being a dad, I was kind of flying blind because I can't really take any inspiration from my own dad because we'll just leave it there. <laughs> but um, I had to kind of look to outside sources and be like, okay, what's going to work? What can I implement? What tools can I use to not completely ruin this child <laughs> and make it a fully functional adult? So I kind of go with the, do what I say right now. I'll sit and talk to you and explain it in a couple minutes. Just do <laughs> what I say right now. In a couple minutes, we'll sit down. I'll explain why you shouldn't lick the stove. Okay. <laughs> I literally have, dude. I've 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 uh, saved uh, my youngest daughter from literally trying to jump into a hot. 400 degree oven and uh yes yeah. it, it, i definitely didn't stop to explain anything but no i, no, I just went back in on tried to jump in a 400 degree oven yes um, I, I had one of my children do that uh i had another one decide that they were gonna football dive off the top of the stairs and i had to go get yeah i've, I've had some crazy experiences that, and you that was me as a kid and a that's why my neck is jacked <laughs> yeah get ready robert you ain't seen shit yet um we, levi did actually share as well because i said so was how he was raised it's the worst it can be the worst yeah if um you know if that goes too far and that's all it ever is is because i said so um i think that's how you end up with those very rebellious kids mm -hmm. um in particular I know that I had some friends like that and everything from their parents were because I said so. And it was like, okay, the kid learned to say, okay. And then just go do more dumb shit behind their back. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it wasn't, uh, I won't do it. It was, I'll make sure I don't get caught was, was the path. Well, you're, you're eliminating that bond of trust between parent and kid too. When you don't bother to explain anything to them and you just go, yeah, you're going to do what I say no questions asked you, you you don't get a choice in this matter i mean for certain things yeah getting in an oven you shouldn't have to ask i mean <laughs> instinct should have taken over but <laughs> yeah uh, i i really i i i've been wondering where i'm gonna actually fall on that spectrum um because how old's yours oh he uh, like just not turned even one, one yet Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh boy, you have a journey ahead of you, my friend. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> Especially hey, a little boy. I helped raise two nephews, and whoo, doggy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Boys are absolutely harder. Like I, I think women might uh, might say the opposite, but for me, yeah, no. My my son was hard headed, literally. Like he bounced his head off so many things. Girls. <laughs> The girls were so much easier, so much more fun. But um, I, well, the boys can be fun. But yeah, you, you've got a lot of bruises and bumped heads in, in your future, most likely. Um, I did want to get back to we were talking about holiday stressors, obviously. Oh, there was a topic. There was. 
I do think that that's an important one, though. So I did want to go ahead and talk about that a bit. But Brian, you jumped in right when we were talking about the holiday stressors. And so um, I was talking about uh, work. Well, me and Robert were really talking about work. I was talking about, um, you know, memories of past Christmases and remembering when they used to be more fun and less stress and, and you know, effort uh, going into them, just kind of enjoying. What about you, buddy? Is there anything, you know, that you've kind of been you know, dealing with? every holiday like it it's kind of its own new not saying it's bad but its own new fresh hell you know you you find just memories from years past kind of pile up especially around the holidays like i tend to get real nostalgic and start thinking about you know well shit i've lost this person this person this person the last couple of years i've lost two friends to one of them to cancer just here recently so you know all that stuff starts piling up and you're like damn i remember when christmas used to be holy crap it's christmas eve morning i get to get my stockings now it's like well shit i just dropped 200 on a car battery and half the christmas lights i hung on the roof didn't even turn on awesome so is there um is there any advice you guys would have for for anybody out there who may be kind of experiencing that through the holidays I would say try like I know it sounds dumb, but just try to find some holiday activity you can participate in me, Jen and Stella sat down Saturday or the last couple Saturdays and we've painted ornaments like we just went and bought a big thing of clear plastic ornaments, got out the paint and just made our own ornaments for the tree, you know, with Christmas yeah. music playing in the background. So you had that family bonding, you had the holiday atmosphere going and it, it, it helps a little bit, you know. What about you, Robert? You know, I I, I know it's not a problem you've suffered with. Yeah, I was about to say yeah. I, I don't uh I, I don't know that I really have much to add. I mean, I would definitely I totally agree with the you know, have like that like activity or that that something that you do that you know uh becomes like a tradition. Um that's definitely my wife is the make traditions person. So uh, I'm sure she's got something uh, up her sleeve for us. But um, yeah, I mean, for better or for worse, uh, the holidays doesn't really do that to me. Yeah. Um, other times of the year do, but not so much that. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I, some of the things that I hear, from some people that you know that the holidays is like a really bad time of year you know it's really my heart breaks like i mean for regardless of the time of year i mean just that you have to that you just carry uh some some stuff that's just brought out by what's designed to be a happy time and that you know those things stop you from being able to experience that the happy the positive I think that tends to be part of the problem too, is there's so much expectation to be happy this time of year. You know, the, the cliche of everyone's merry and bright, but you know, like, I mean, shit, just remember 2020 when you really couldn't even see anybody without risk of contracting COVID or whatever it was. And then it's just, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. I think it's just the expectation kind of just adds that extra layer yeah. of and i don't think it's just an outside expectation it's 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 internal and external like it's it's yeah. from 
you know, there's the expectation externally and, and socially to like, you know, this is the greatest time of year or it's the best time of year, you know, when you go to work and, and you see your coworkers and stuff and everybody's uh, trying to be in a good mood and, and you're not. Um, there's definitely that external pressure, but then there's also an internal pressure. Like, why, you know, I know I've spent some holidays miserable and not only was I then miserable about whatever it was I was miserable about, I was then miserable at the fact I was miserable. Like I should be happy. And now I'm beating myself up that I'm not happy and I'm not in a good mood. Um, yeah. Brian, when it comes to advice, I think, uh, and Robert, actually, you backed him up on what I think would be my advice as well. Um, I think you both kind of nailed it, which is, especially as a man, I think, especially if you're like the man of your household or, you know, your, your local family group, you do have to put in effort. And I think that's part of what we all for can sure. end up missing is that somebody used to do it for you or, or used to do it for us. You know what I mean? Somebody, it was somebody else's responsibility to put the tree up, put the lights up, play the Christmas music. And um, what I found is uh, I've had some success with forcing myself to do that. Like even on the tougher years that I had in the past couple of years, I found that if I put the tree up, I, I decorated, um, you know, and I played some played some of the music and stuff. I could be I could put myself in a better headspace. But I've also, especially you know, right after my my divorce about five years ago, I sat in a empty uh, one bedroom apartment with no decorations, mm -hmm. and I felt and I wasn't in the holiday spirit. And now looking back, it's like, well, of course I freaking wasn't. <laughs> like, you know, I had no decorations up. I was sitting in this. A crummy apartment watching you know um horror movies or, or some other nonsense and of course i didn't get in the spirit so i do think that you know if you want to get into the spirit it does help to actually take that step of doing it for yourself if nobody else is going to do it for you you put the lights up you put the tree up you put some music on i'm not gonna lie i do like the horror movie aspect of that but the rest of it does sound like a bummer <laughs> well at least it could have been like some christmas themed horror movies i, I did have a, a buddy of mine who made a wax santa is a great one by the way youtube the other day he was there was <laughs> really? apparently you guys remember jack frost oh yeah yeah so apparently the he jack made frost a YouTube horror video. movie yeah well there were two that apparently came out back to back there was one with michael keaton and it was like this family friendly yeah um jack Frost. and then the next year apparently there was a <laughs> horror movie version where it's like a serial killer it's so good becomes a snowman I, I mean, it's that. fucking, it's fucking terrible, but it's so good. <laughs> you know, here, here's the thing. One of my guilty pleasures, though, like, okay, I mean, I guess the general holidays time kind of is my, I mean, when I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about it, and it's kind of my favorite time of the year. Mm -hmm. Like, even though work is batshit crazy during that time of year, I like, I mean, okay, you know, it begins with Thanksgiving, right? That is the Super Bowl. Which I prefer. I, I think Thanksgiving is better than Christmas. As an adult, I will say. It's like uh, Thanksgiving is yeah. Christmas without all the bullshit of having to buy a bunch of presents. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a Halloween boy, so I, I don't know how much I can contribute See, to I that. I do not care about Halloween. <gasps> Heresy. I don't like, and I know some, I know some people, some people like that is their super. Oh, that's my jam. That's, yeah. I mean, yeah. well, I mean, John can attest with my content, my whole persona. I mean, 
it makes sense. It... <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the dude has a whole YouTube channel dedicated to horror weird. Oh, okay. <laughs> Look, I, hey, I I love it. I love it for you. I genuinely do. But it, it's like, but anyway, my guilty pleasure are Christmas movies, particularly the really cheesy Hallmark ones. Like they're terrible. It's the same story over and over again. Wait, are you talking about like the romance? Like when you say like love rom coms, I absolutely love rom coms. So you like you can't like tell the... me nothing about a rom com. So you just... like like the high powered guy goes back to his hometown and meets the yeah. girl He's... next door and they uh-huh. fall in love. Oh, the the whole deal. And with the Christmas movies, you know. Uh, there's some villain that wants to run over the orphanage to build an apartment complex, and then he learns the <laughs> value of Christmas, you know, and blah, 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 blah. Like, it's the same shit over and over again, but I am here for it. Like, I think I think me and my wife watch, like, a Hallmark movie every other day. <laughs> I do, too. I mean, I'll be honest. I love the holidays. I, I, I would throw Halloween in there. I think Halloween... Be- begins the holidays and yeah, really? Halloween, okay. and then okay. it's Thanksgiving, and then you got like it's all back to back, right? Those, are yeah, the, those are the big ones. So you get, uh, yeah, to me, the holiday season. season begins at the end of September, and then it's yeah. holiday season until December twenty sixth when I have to go back to work, and then it's brutal until whenever the hell the next actual <laughs> vacation day is. <laughs> All right. So we've got uh, Levi in the chat as well. You did mention Claymation, old Christmas flick. So I'm going to put you guys oh. on the spot. Number one, uh, since we are coming up on, on Christmas, number one Christmas movie. Santa Claus is coming to town. The classic uh, Claymation, Santa Claus is coming to town. We watch oh, that oh, every oh, year. The old school one. That's uh-huh. a, yeah. Like there's the red nosed reindeer and all, all yeah. those. Yeah. Uh, me and Jen have a running joke out of that because there's a scene where it goes from the young Santa, the young uh, Santa Claus, to him being older, and he turns around and it's Mickey Rooney. He's just, I'm a man now, Tonta. <laughs> just the way it's done, the framing on the face, the animation on the eyes, it's absolutely bonkers, insane, and I love every moment of it. It's just you, you came up with yours very quickly, actually. That was you have that ready. <laughs> I was actually surprised by that. <laughs> what, about, what about you, Robert? Uh, mine is Christmas Vacation. Oh, okay. uh, Chevy Chase, classic. Yeah. That, I mean, granted, I mean, that's one of my favorite movies just in general, <laughs> but I, I, I always watch it. Like, one of our traditions is watching Christmas Vacation on Christmas. Yeah, interesting. Uh, for me, it would be uh, Home Alone Two. Solid choice. Solid. Yeah. Choice. Solid choice. Yeah. And I'm going to specify Home Alone Two. I don't know. I loved um, when they went to New York City. It's got Donald Trump. I mean, oh you know, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. It's got a, a homeless Woo! pigeon lady, and yeah, no, it's got everything you could want. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can hear that movie. <laughs> no, it's uh, it, it's it's a great time of year. I I am looking forward to it. Um, I think this year is going to be one of the better years for me. But it's also a lot of work, so I did want to talk about that. But I do want to get into um a few other things that uh, I wanted to talk about on tonight's show. And so you're both part of our uh, men's uh, support group. 
on Facebook. Yep. And as a matter of fact, Brian, you are an admin there. Thank you for what you do. And then Robert, you are actually one of our group experts. And so it's, it's great to have you both on because you both know uh, kind of what we're trying to do with that group. And in there recently, I had shared some polls and I wanted to get your uh, opinions on some of the results. I thought some of the results were actually pretty interesting. Um, and so one of the polls that I mentioned uh, was what are the main causes of stress and mental health issues in men? And now without cheating, I'm curious what you two think the top result might be. It's money, um, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil it yet. I'm gonna wait for Brian. Well, to that's my answer. guess. Money. Money. Okay. All right. Repeat the question one more time. What are the main causes of stress and mental health concerns or issues in men specifically? I guess general a general ability to provide. Yeah, I was gonna say employment answer. or employment or money. All right, both both interesting. I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting this one to win. Um, and oh shit, actually, I I I am off base here. You actually hit the nail on the head, Robert, with your first guess, but it came from behind because it was a different answer. So um, with twenty nine percent of the results, finances is number one. Um, that must have changed since the last time I looked because it was relationship issues. That was number one on oh, the day that I, yeah, I could posted see that as well five days ago. And then so they're neck and neck, like everything else. Uh, we had family obligations, social issues. Don't um, ask me about relationship issues, that's where I'll also make friends or enemies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we don't fi- have to get specific. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the financial issues ties right into the relationship issues, too. They've shown that uh, one of the major factors in divorce is financial issues. So, I mean, it's kind of you know half of one half a do- or six of one half a dozen of another well and and that's where i wasn't gonna get i wouldn't have guessed relationship issues being the number one answer um at first but then when i started to think about all the other issues that were listed we also had on there lack of emotional support available um poor regulation uh and self-care routine um jobs social issues finances when I when I saw that relationship issues ended up being the number one, it made sense because all of those things just exacerbate really. They're all just like subcategories of what can then be relationship issues, right? I, I don't know if financials would be as high if you're just like if you're single, if you're like a bachelor, because like whatever. So you're you're broke, but if you're the only one who that effects and impacts then it's whatever right <laughs> yeah i mean if you can't afford tostinos and you got to get the off brand i mean who gives a shit it's yeah still like nobody's food in your belly about it that's so i actually thought relationship issues being the higher answer but no it ended up being finances i'm curious about how that ended up winning actually because relationship mm. issues was the it was pretty far ahead it's pff, so important i mean it's you know it's that that most critical thing you need to understand that nobody fucking understands and um you know that lack of understanding is what gets a lot of people in trouble and you know since people don't necessarily understand when these i you know i can see these issues coming out in a relationship where you know, blame starts flying around because nobody understands it enough to even understand where they started fucking up. 
and then <laughs> it just turns into a whole thing. But, and here's my relationship thoughts, but there's so many people out here in relationships they should never be in in the first place mm-hmm. that where, you know, a common, when you're in a, if you're in a healthy relationship and you have a common stressor, you have a common evil brokenness in this case that you're fighting against, it should be able to actually make your relationship stronger. Mm-hmm. But you're out here with the wrong person. You're out here with somebody that, you know, is like, is incompatible in any number of ways with you. Of course, this is going to gonna take a toll, like an, an irreparable toll on your relationship. Because the two of you either can't communicate with each other. You're not on the same page about prioritizing your finances. Any number of things that can cause that domino effect to happen. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, I see it all the time with uh, entrepreneurs that, you know, I work with, especially the early stage ones where they're just trying to figure out what their finances need to look like. And, I mean, I just see all kinds of things. And one thing, here we go, here's another one, that I've never understood married people that have totally separate finances. Boggles my mind. Absolutely. I'm really curious about that one. Don't be together. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you so both agree dumb. with me. Don't be together. If well, you... I, I, I only, you know, I only have the experience of when I got married, I was 17 and we were both broke. Like we didn't have anything. And so um, it, it wasn't even a question. Like, yes, it was. our. It was like, who's going to pay the rent? Well, we better put everything we got together to make it like. And so yeah. it wasn't really a yeah. question. And so I am curious now, like. I could because I can also see if you're older, you're established, you've got your own shit. Um, that being less of an obvious answer, um, for, for somebody, right? Especially if you guys aren't on equal footing, like you got um, side A of a relationship who's got a, a certain level of income, and side B who's not at that level, like it's not so easy to link no. those up. See how I look at it is once you get into a relationship, especially if you're going to agree to get married, share a life together, there is no equal footing issue anymore. It's y'all are on the same pedestal. Yeah, that's so. And if you're not willing to share finances, then how are you guys going to share anything else? I mean, yeah, money is the thing that makes the world go round, whether you want to admit to it or not. So if you're not willing to trust, you know, your partner with your debit card, how the fuck are you going to trust him with your emotional stability or to make healthcare decisions for you? God forbid something happens. Yeah. 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 And it, it's I, like, I, you can't, it's like, I get so frustrated with this, but it's just I, like, I, I, you were going to be, I was going to come to you next with a question because you definitely seem to have some opinions on this. And again, I am speaking from a completely different experience as far as, you know, I had no other choice. What do you see? Like, is there um, things that you're seeing with in particular couples who don't kind of make that step and putting their finances together and that causing more issues? Well, I'll put it this way. All of the people that I personally know or have known or I personally known that had totally separate finances, um, at some point they are not together anymore. Uh, one of them is on exceptionally thin ice. Um, I, I think 
it almost seems like you're going into it prepared to fail, right? Right. I mean, like, you know, we got to keep it separate just in case. It's like, right. I mean, if you never very confident, it, right. <laughs> and it's like, if you never take that step to truly become one, absolutely. You and you have one foot out, you have no skin in the game. Like, it makes it a lot, it makes it so much easier to, to run away from your problems mm-hmm. when you can separate yourself. Like me and my wife are so intertwined. Like I wouldn't even know where to begin Yeah, to, to separate us financially. I, I wouldn't know where to start. No, <laughs> I, I'm the same way. Like me and Jen, like pretty much as soon as we got together, we opened up a joint account. I mean, mm-hmm. probably not the smartest decision when you're just dating, but right, yeah. again, we were in the same position that John was talking about where you got to pay rent. Yeah, you better start digging under the sofa. Hope you find the extra couple quarters to make that yeah. month's rent. Sure. I, I, I laugh because I I literally have been. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking from experience. This is anecdotal, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah. that's, that, this is a really interesting, uh, interesting point. And I wonder if that <laughs> plays into why relationship issues ended up being so high on the on the poll. I think the other thing is to a lot of people get a, the relationship. A lot of people end up in and out of relationships so much because they get addicted to that feeling of getting into a relationship that first early love feeling where you are starting to get to know somebody, you're starting to have that connection with them, not really at the point where things start fading, you know, kind of becoming more day-to-day humdrum. And then that's when the relationship fails and they move on to the next one that they could have this new love thing again with. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, you add in the financial aspect of that too, where you could just tell, Oh, this isn't going to work out, but I'm going to hang out for a while you know, it's like you were saying, Robert, if you're not with the right person, things are going to go pear-shaped real quick. And uh, buckle up again. I think, you know, too many people lead into their relationship with like, they lead with nothing but like love and emotions and those intangible things. And luckily me and my wife are both like, is this person a good partner? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like yeah. that's where you start, and then you figure out if you have those other things. Yeah, and because yeah, I mean, you, because broke comes and goes. I mean, right. You know, and you, and at the end of the day, broke. who I am. So I've been married uh, eleven years now, and who I am, who I was eleven years ago versus who I am today are two completely different people. Yep. I am not the person that got married back then. Yeah. And it's like, of course, your relationship falls apart because you involve and change as a person. But at, the end, but at the end of the day, I identified somebody who was a good partner. So that's like the, the constant. That's like that constant thing that carries through. It's like, OK, if nothing else, this is a great partner. So we can we're able to stay on the same page. We're able to evolve where we're evolving in parallel and not evolving apart because you have Mm -hmm. the right partner. And I think if more people just went into it with the right, like freaking headspace (laughs) that like what you're falling in love with right now is temporary in a decade. Mm -hmm. 
this woman is not going to look like this. <laughs> After she has your kid, she's not going to look <laughs> like she looks. You know, you can't go off of those things. You know, how may she... not even act like she acts. I saw a meme actually right. earlier yeah. uh, on Instagram talking about this where it, it was basically giving the same kind of advice where you want to identify somebody that you have deeper connections with, you know, on morals and values and who you are as a person and your outlook at, on the world. Um, and they called it falling in love or looking for the falling in love with the roots versus the flowers, like all the other stuff, the appearance, it, yep. you know, appearance, finances, um, you know, how funny they are. These, uh, you know, they make you laugh, things like that. Those are the flowers and the roots are like, do we agree on, you know, our outlook on the world or, right. our, you know, our actual perspectives on morals and values and things like that. My hey, don't, is. don't go knocking funny. That's all I got, man. All right. <laughs> hey, hey, but that's, that's the other part that the meme said that there's nothing wrong with the flowers. Like the flowers are great. Like, no, I know everybody you mean, loves right? the, the, the pretty flowers, but you can't just, you can't base a, you know, a deep relationship on just the flowers. You have to look yeah. at, the, at the roots. And I will admit, even when I was dating, um i remember like not talking politics or you know deeper issues like that uh purposefully avoiding those topics because i knew that it was probably going to lead you know if that person wasn't a match it was probably going to lead to immediate like oh nope we're not a fit and and walk away and right. in order to avoid that i would avoid those conversations which at the end of the day if you really do want a long-term uh relationship that's actually going to be the right fit that isn't something that you should probably, you know, avoid. Well, if you're or, talking to you know, a maybe date, not on the first date. But... <laughs> well, if you're talking to a date the way you'd talk to a cab driver, just very base level stuff, you can probably expect it's not going to work out. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, unless you're charming like me. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, again, I have funny. That's all I got going. Uh, you here, got funny. Right? I, I got charming. Uh, I got At least I make money. myself laugh. <laughs> you make me laugh too much and, and you're really uh really good at youtube um all right so i did do another poll um and so that was the first one that i did and so we talked about uh so i had a poll on the causes of stress and mental health issues in men in particular but i, I got a feeling that those translate across the genders um and then we talked about what resources strategies and policies could help men and overwhelmingly this one was you know, by a long shot, over 75%, it was 76% of the answer said social and cultural improvements. And I was really, um, as far as what could actually improve um, our current kind of status as a society when it comes to men's mental health and how many men are um, feeling alone and left out and unheard. Um, and I got the answer of social and uh, cultural, cultural improvements was over 75%. Um, but then I asked the question, cause I mean, that's so broad. Uh, and you know, that's my own fault. I'm the one who put that as one of the options. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did ask for a little bit, uh, more elaboration from some of our people, Brian, you were one of the ones who actually yep. did answer when I asked for some elaboration, uh, you mentioned destigmatization. De destigmatization. God, that's a hard word to say. <laughs> it is. Uh, you talked a little bit <laughs> yeah, about how the idea of seeking mental health has moved and, and changed <clears throat> over the years. Talk a little bit more about what you meant by that. And, and 
Uh, well, for then. sure. I mean, you you consider the health or the history of mental health in this, not just this country, but globally, how it used to be, you know, if there was any serious mental issue, you'd get thrown to an asylum or a sanitarium or an institution of some sort. And all the stigma around that has always persisted, especially, you know, the closing of asylums and people with severe mental disorders getting released back onto the street. If you said, yeah, I'm seeing a therapist, I, I have some mental health issues, I'm taking psychiatric drugs, people instantly thought you were, you know, completely insane and you were at risk of hurting them or attacking them or it was contagious in some way. And then over the years, it's become, no, mental health is health. It's It should be part, it should be no different from going to get a teeth cleaning or getting your blood pressure checked. It, it, it's a major factor in your overall health. And especially since 2020 with the isolation and the depression rates and let's face it, everyone losing their fucking minds in one way or another. I think mental health has become much more accepted as far as seeking treatment goes for it. So in your perspective, then it kind of sounds like you're saying, even though we're not all the way there yet, maybe we're heading in the right direction as far we are, as like as, we're heading towards that destigmatization. How I see it and then watching Gen Z and, you know, whatever generation is after that, they're way more accepting of being emotionally vulnerable with each other and accepting mental health help and being open to the fact that they may have a mental disorder or something like that. I think we're definitely Oof. heading in the right direction. Man, you 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 just hit on something though that's also um, to the to the opposite effect, kind of an issue for me. I, I do think that we're getting towards destigmatization. I feel much more comfortable talking. I mean, obviously, I started a fucking YouTube channel about it. I started a podcast about mental health. So obviously, I'm feeling that destigmatization enough to speak up and and speak my mind about topics like this. I will say especially when you mention like Gen Z and I don't want to be old man on his porch right now. We may be going too far in that other direction in some ways, like where I, I do feel like I'm glad you started that. And okay, I you might be on my side because I, I, I feel like, especially for as somebody who's suffered from legitimate mental health issues for a very long time, for most of my life, I do also feel like it's almost gone full speed in the other direction to where people who it's just, I, I don't want to, I'm not, I'm nobody's doctor. I don't want to call it, but I do feel like there's like this, this very much almost glamorizing of it. And, and no, to, what I'm going to, I get what you're saying. And I totally do accept your, to point. where it minimizes like, and I, that, that's the part that genuine somebody who really does have genuine that part. issue where I, I therapy and, and, you know, psychiatry and, Oh, trust me. I think side effects and all this shit I, where some people I, I see them and they say it and it's almost I've like got um, aggressive thoughts about that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think, I think it's the same way that in like the 1970s and eighties, especially into the nineties, there was an overcorrection of acceptance you look at the gay culture from the 1950s to the 1990s all of a sudden there's this massive overcorrection to where everything you have to be accepting if you find it strange at all you are a terrible person and now it's just like eh, do whatever the hell you want <laughs> you know so i think eventually and there's always going to be the hucksters out there people faking mental illness to get 
attention or sympathy or money donated to them. Unfortunately, mm. that's the reality of the world is people are going to exploit anything, but I would rather have a few people be more exploitative where somebody won't end up doing something irreversible because they were too afraid to speak up and tell someone, Hey, I'm feeling these dark thoughts. Yeah. And I would agree with that. Like if it's between, you know, what I kind of described um, and it being more accepted, but maybe some people taking advantage of that or using it for, you know, um, whatever reasons, uh, you know, or claiming that they have something that maybe yeah. correct, we've been diagnosed for a scene. I'd rather that than than the opposite as well, where where nobody can speak up. But well, Robert, you had some thoughts on it. Oh, go for, go yeah. for it if you do. Yeah, I don't want to hog. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have two things in particular. Mm-hmm. The first one, I'm going to leave the second one because I need to explain the first one because the hate mail will start if I mention the second one, okay? If we ever get enough viewers to have hate mail, that'll be a good Listen, thing for me. So. <laughs> if anyone was going to find the hate mail, it, it would be for something I said. Uh, um, shoot me your email. I'll just send you one. Just <laughs> ADHD. Oh, yep. Yep. Um, holy shit. Um, okay. As somebody, let me let me start by saying, as somebody that suffers with it for real, um, and that it has been a huge like sticking point in my life, and a huge well, you know, I mean, can I really say it was a problem at this point? I don't know, um, but it just is something that had a huge effect on me uh, at an early age, and then you know, still today. It makes me so upset when everybody has ADHD. (laughs) Like, shut your mouth. Like, you have no idea what it's like to legitimately live with ADHD and try to be a functioning adult. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, it it just... Well, I think that's where it's gotten to the point where we talk about where, oh, some people going too far with it, where they think because sometimes they have a hard time remembering people's names or sometimes they happen to be a little bit forgetful. Um, yeah, like, no, oh, it's just like, ADHD. It's no, like... you're just, you're just not, you're just not detail oriented. Like that doesn't yeah. mean that you have ADHD. Like yeah. ADHD is getting in your, <laughs> is getting in your car and to go somewhere and forgetting where you're going when you get in your car. Like it's, it's, you know, somebody talking to you for 30 seconds and you didn't hear anything that they were saying because you were focused on a piece of lint on the top of their head. Yeah. And then that affecting like, and then, you know, in a professional setting, this this happens to me, then having to decide whether to ask them to repeat what they've just said. Or to try to go into whatever your job or your project is, having missed what they said mm-hmm. and hope that it wasn't important enough uh, that it's going to affect your work. Um, and just trying to, and then like um, when it comes to like ADD drugs, like Adderall in particular was what I, you know, I take on and off uh, because 
Uh, I was telling John I have a really hard time sleeping, <laughs> and Adderall does not help with that. Oh, I'm I'm sure cool. legal cocaine, you know, makes that awesome. Right? Yeah, yeah, it makes it really, really hard to sleep. So I avoid it unless I end up in situations where I have to be here. I have to be yeah. locked in. But yeah. anyway, I'm getting to a point here. What you know, I found is even you know actually suffering from it. Number one, when I was in elementary school you know, ADD was looked Everywhere. at, like, you know, that was short. Well, at my, well, in my particular situation, it was like right over there with like short bus, you know, yeah. like, you know, it wasn't uh, something that's no big deal. And we're just going to work through it. Like, it was like, there's something wrong with you. It's not, Hey, you just learn differently. Oh, trust um, me. I experienced the same thing. I'm a Ritalin kid too, man. Yeah. Right. But for, for a time, you know, I just kind of dealt with it. I mean, it led to me getting kicked out of like school and like my test scores were always really low. I fell asleep during the SAT three times, three <laughs> times that I took it. Um, and it, it was just nuts. But, you know, at that time, finding you know, it was hard to, for it to be accepted, you know, mm -hmm. to say that it's not a big deal. Like we can work through this now. Of course, now everybody has ADD and it's not a big deal. There was something that I saw. Here comes the second thing that was so alarming to me. And it was autism being diagnosed or overdiagnosed yeah. in a similar way to ADD. And these people, I started, I saw it on like TV first where somebody was saying, you know, I suffer from this mild autism thing. But that's not like, I'm like, stop it. And like, I have a really good friend um, that is an adult with autism. And he's actually one of the members at my nonprofit. And he, he and his mom come there. And like, you know, he, he is in a, a totally different situation. Like he will never be able to live on his own. Um, he has, you know, the communication uh, issues and, you know, all that. Like, you know, he you know, when you speak to him that you're speaking to somebody that it doesn't have, you know, that isn't the, uh, what do you, what is, what is, I want to make sure I'm using the right words. Um, neurodivergent. That is yes. neurotypical. Yeah. 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 That is, neurotypical. Yeah. That isn't neurotypical. Like you, you know that immediately. Yeah. Um, and you know, I learned so much from just being around him and, and, and all those different things. And like, when I see, you know, the things that are, difficult for him or the struggles that he has in his life. Like it upsets me so much when I see people saying, you know, autism, this and that, because I think about him and I'm like, man, you don't know. <laughs> like you don't know. Stop it. Yeah. And I do think, um, you know, when it comes to what, which is funny, I don't know if this is going to support your point or um, I know I, I do think it supports your point because of some of the facts that I do know about it, um, which is uh, ADHD people uh, tend to people with ADHD tend to gravitate towards others with ADHD because we tend to also understand each other and forgive some of the social um, issues. It that are cars. <laughs> yeah. And so to no surprise, I am also diagnosed with it. What, what I will also say, though, is I was one of those people where um, I wasn't for a, very, for a very, very, very long time. So but I grew up in an area and in a time, you know, we're all around the same age 
where and in my area like it wasn't psychiatric help and, and mental health wasn't a thing in general like if you went to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist to my family like oh no that's you know you're not crazy that's that's for crazy people <laughs> never mind that you know almost every single one of my family members on um on my father's side were you know drug addicts or um had some of those substance abuse problems at the time all struggled with school i was a ninth grade i was a ninth grade dropout um with a ged not because i wasn't intelligent i was very i'm actually doing a video on it right now um but back then i was exhibiting behaviors that now probably would have led to at least some testing um but back then it was just oh you're a troublemaker um you know yeah got thrown under thrown under the rug and swept under the rug um i wasn't and then i went through a lot of through my mental health journey of trying to figure out something um what is wrong with me how can i uh, how can I be the person that I've always wanted to be, but I can't seem to be. And eventually I did get diagnosed and I did start treatment as well. And it was life-changing for me. Like when I started, um, you know, ADHD treatment, it was life-changing for me. I was able to actually get projects done on time. Like Whoa. you were talking about some of the issues that you run into. Like, I remember like sitting there, I've sat there for four hours thinking about a task that would take me 15 minutes and like beating <laughs> myself up for that whole four hours like, why don't you just fucking do it? Yep. You just, and then at the end of the four hours, I'll do it. It will take 15 minutes. And then I'll just beat myself up for the rest of the day. Like, holy shit, if I would have just done it, that, that would have been done. But do you no, remember the first time, was thinking about doing it. Do you remember the first time that you um, actually took like uh, ADHD meds? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. I um, Well, I remember the first time that I took it seriously because I got diagnosed when I was in the military and that was over 10 years ago. And I remember just staying up and playing like civil this video game civilization all night. And I didn't take the the diagnosis very seriously. But then about three years ago, and then I stopped um, because I didn't like the way it made me feel the stimulants. And then I stopped. And then about three years ago, I started again. And yeah, like I could just get things done. It was uh, at first it was very like it, it's changed over time. But at first it was almost euphoric to actually be able to get something done that I wanted to get done. Like the feeling that that gave me, it, it, it was indescribable. And I was like, holy shit. Uh, maybe I found what's, what's re now I'm just start. I've gotten to a point where I'm finding more. So what I think other people feel like to be normal. I remember, um, I remember the first time vividly yeah. and it was, and literally it's really stupid, but I, I literally cried. Mm. Ain't nothing uh, wrong with that, man. Because it was like, for once, all of the static went away. And it was like I was in control of my thoughts and my brain for the very yep. first time. And it was, I want to say I was about 15, 15 or 16, somewhere in there. Um, and it was like, it's that, like, uh, that bad with me where i just literally like it's just everything is just a big fuzz but that first time it, it it's also like, no surprise that you're creative i mean you um you know i've done some you know a little bit of looking into some of the things for one we tend to be attracted to each other uh because we understand you know how each other operates and we're more forgiving of certain things even in relationships mm -hmm. i've met and had relationships even my current relationship um where you know there's a lot of those same signs but things that would annoy somebody else i tend to understand and vice versa um because i know what it's like 
to to get lost in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> and, uh, you know, even when I'm speaking, it can be annoying even when you have it, when somebody else does it, but at least I can understand it. Uh, but getting back to what we were talking about when it comes to the destigmatization, that's what started this whole thing, is I feel you on now that I'm legitimately like I have to go to a psychiatrist every every month. I have tried multiple medications and things, and I feel like there's a almost where it's become less of a serious uh as far as how people perceive it, less of a serious condition because of how many people claim, even though they may not actually be, you know, for one diagnosed or for two taking any kind of treatment or medication. Um, there are also options out there now. Um, Levi in the uh, chat, he did share that uh, Stratera is um, something that's out there. There are non-stimulant options. I'm actually probably going to be trying one for myself soon wasn't expecting to, to share that tonight but uh i am probably going to be trying one for myself soon i have tried Stratera. i didn't have luck on it the non-stimulants from what i've looked into um they can be effective but they are not as effective or at least they're not perceived to be as effective um, see i'll over... tell you the best like as probably controversial as this is going to sound the best therapeutic i found for dealing with the absolute chaos of you know mind racing and circular thoughts all that has been thc and that's why i did it quite a bit when i was younger but unfortunately you get older your tolerance goes down you have more responsibilities you can't really smoke a joint and then go drive you know a truck filled with five or fifty thousand pounds of chemicals so yeah, no, it's a, it's tough to deal with. And um, I, I do know that you are not the first person that I know has talked about uh, marijuana and THC. I know people very close to me uh, who deal with it and it helps them. Unfortunately, it never worked for me. But yeah, when mm. I started medication and stimulants, Adderall um, specifically really helped me as well. It's the only reason I ever um, was able to accomplish things. I got my bachelor's degree. I was in college trying to get that thing for 10 fucking years. That's not a joke. That's oh my, oh not a joke. Yeah. I, I started in 2011. I didn't finish that fucking thing until last December is when I graduated. <laughs> oh um, and I was in pretty oh much active goodness. for the entire goddamn time. Um, I, I, was I was working towards my bachelor's and I got to an SQL coding class. And the, yeah, trying to remember all the different, you know, numerators for SQL coding. It's just, okay, you know what? This isn't going to happen. I can't work in an office anyway. I'm going to go find something else to do. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't before. And I mean, I would sit there. I would have, um, you know, these were eight-week classes when I was in school. It was uh, adult classes. Um, and so they were shortened and it was eight-week semester. And we would know what our final project was on day one. And I would wait until the night before the last day. Oh, God. Uh, before it was due to finish oh. my my research paper but here's the thing with the hyper focus part of adhd um i would finish you can get, it done. get it done yeah i would get nine pages done in 12 hours <laughs> and uh, i was supposed to be working on it the entire semester but i would get it done uh robert it's funny you you mentioned um you know being younger and how it presents one of the things that always threw me off and why i i actually didn't take the diagnosis very seriously was that hyperactivity part. Like I didn't understand that until only in the last few years because I was what I now have heard described as a space cadet. 
where I wasn't hyperactive and bouncing off the walls. And so back when, you know, in the early nineties and stuff, uh, and late nineties, if you heard ADHD for me, it always triggered this stereotype of like a kid who can't stop talking and is bouncing off the walls constantly. I was not that. And so I never even considered that it was possible, but what I realized was the hyperactivity for me was going on up here. I was exhausted. It's your brain. Yeah. It was my brain going a million miles an hour. Yeah. You're internalizing the, all the, yeah. Yeah. I'm still lost my train of thought. Yeah. See, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that was an interesting, that was an interesting, uh, yeah. I end a lot of sentences with, I was going somewhere with that. I like it. It's a lot better than just not ending the sentence. At least I got to get going though. I got to get the little one tucked in. So we're going to finish up here in just a minute. Anyway. All right. Um, for All sure. Right. Y'all have a good night for a little bit. You could. All right. See you next time, bud um levi did mention uh he has a dishwasher to unload and reload he's been putting it off all day so more uh more examples of of what it can be like um and so yeah with the social cultural issues i I know brian that was his mention we did have jesse um oh and we haven't even talked about the issues that come along with being black and talking about is Uh, that is uh, that so um interesting enough i don't have a lot of my family that i have to deal with or talk to about this kind of stuff because i'm so far from home and and my family that i grew up with uh is that something that has been an issue uh that you've noticed particularly in the black community is it less accepted oh 100 yeah mental, I, health I is, men- mental health is a white problem like that's yeah, it's it, it it's gotten a lot better, I'd say, but it's still, you know, if I talk to my parents, like I, I just don't discuss this with my parents. Like I just feel like I get a a big eye roll, you know. Ain't nothing wrong with that baby. <laughs> you and know? you know what I found? I found that that may be what that may be shooting ourselves in the foot, you know, culturally and as a society as well. Because I, uh, I was talking with somebody close to me just the other day about it. And, you know, those white families, those rich families in the nicer neighborhoods, they're getting their kids treatment. Like they're yeah. going to the doctor and then guess what? Their kids who also have these conditions then go on to graduate from college, own their own businesses and do all this. But we're, you know, averse to even admitting it as a, as a problem. And then shooting ourselves in the foot. And then you wonder why Uh, I saw a study. uh, I can't remember the numbers, but like how many prison of the prison population has things like ADHD, um, you know, clinical depression, things like that, where if they were actually treated, they may not have ever ended up where they ended up. They may have ended up as business owners or. or, Yeah, because I mean, you got to think about you got to think about, you know, what the environmental the spectrum of the environment um that you can be talking about just when you're talking about like the, from the socioeconomic perspective you know a kid getting in trouble in the suburb I'm talking about a black kid in particular black kid getting in trouble in the suburbs for doing something that's ultimately a product of their adhd versus a kid in the projects 
getting in trouble for something that was ultimately triggered by ADHD can have very, very different consequences. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I would get bored and take apart appliances. <laughs> um, akin the projects might get bored and do something that gets them arrested. Uh, you know yeah, I mean? I, I, I'm, I'm lucky. I didn't end up worse off. I, I would get bored and go throw rocks at, windows and abandoned buildings because i like to hear the crashing sound <laughs> it's 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 stuff it, exactly it's something like that and like you know this kid you know you use that example you know let's say they get picked up on something minor like that but just becoming just moving so close or adjacent to the system um you know can change the course of their life forever yeah i, I i'm only you know i only ended up um here in front of you today because for a lot of things i just didn't get caught no it is true like and um there are a, a lot of cases where the same things that led down that path for people of color and people from um lower ec uh, economic status led to the prison system those same things would have put you in front of a psychiatrist or in front of a psychologist if you belong to other cultural groups or other uh, economic groups. And it, it's really unfortunate because you, you end up having a lot of smart people who could have ended up going down a different path if they had been encouraged to kind of get help and, yeah. and have it be taken seriously. And you mentioned again with the uh, destigmatization topic, I have a uh, person that I watch on YouTube, he's a psychiatrist called Dr. K, uh, healthy gamer GG is his channel. And he talks about how it's ADHD in particular is the most overdiagnosed and also the most underdiagnosed, um, uh, diagnosis basically, uh, right. that he, he runs across. And he says that because there are so many people that are missed early on, but then there are so many people that are lumped in with having it that don't right. actually qualify as far as having you know, met the, the diagnostic criteria. So it's, it's an interesting. Right. Um, and then I think everybody deals with it and copes with it so differently that it can be hard to, it can be hard for professionals to peel back all the layers of that, uh, that masking of it, mm -hmm. um, which would, you know, make sense for like the under diagnosis part. Mm hmm. Yeah, I've, I've heard um, that same uh, doctor on that channel, Dr. K from Healthy Gamer, he mentions how uh, ADHD kids in particular, if they're really smart, they come up with these really strong coping mechanisms. This one stood out so much to me. Uh, mm -hmm. And he talks about how you don't, in a lot of cases, they end up getting missed in diagnosis because you'll be in class not paying attention. And, and this one hit me. You'll be in class not paying attention. You're off in la la land, but then the teacher will call on you and um, intelligent kids with ADHD can kind of like take context clues to like scan the room and like figure out what the right answer is, even though they weren't paying attention. I remember the teacher trying to catch me. This still happens to me, honestly, today. Can, can I hit to you with a bombshell? Day. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> can I hit you with a bombshell, okay? Um, in, my, in my entire life, I have never read a book. Dude, no shit. That's so fucking crazy. So I, it's something that I One still time. say to this day. 
I feel so bad about it. You know, the only thing that changed that for me, audiobooks. I don't do audiobooks either. No, have you ever tried them? I uh, nothing. Well, I I've attempted. Okay, it worked um, for me. Was, I, I that was the first to, book I ever read. Because I was hoping that it would kind of you know be like a you know kind of like a podcast. Because I like podcasts, so I was hoping you know it would just kind of podcastify things that I might be interested in. But I guess I probably just haven't found anything that would hold my attention. But part I, of I, that, I will say it, it won't overcome. Like you won't be able to. I've, I've never been able to listen to an audio book all the way through that I wasn't also like really, really interested in. But right. I will tell you as somebody who used to try and read books that were topics that I would have been interested in, but I just couldn't. Like I still can't read through like a long email. Like I I'm <laughs> physically, I physically cannot do it. It's like, I'll get halfway down a page and it just all falls apart. Yeah. And, no, I, I absolutely feel you on that one. And it, it's just one of those things. It's like, I don't know. I just kind of look at it. It's one of my shames. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I was ashamed of it for a long time. Even now that I've, uh, I've read so many books read, I say in quotes because I listen to the audio books. Yeah. I still feel kind of a, a sense of shame when I have to explain that. Well, no, I didn't actually sit there and read it. Right. Um, but I can, you know, go on a treadmill walk or be cleaning the house or some shit and listen to an audiobook. And yeah. even then I'll be honest, yeah, I probably do miss a lot of it, but I get the I get the key points. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I made it through elementary, high school, and a bachelor's degree, having never read a book. <laughs> um and ironically enough, I'm faculty at a university. I never read a book. Okay. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, like you said, like sort of the context clues and, you know, for me, it was more of, um, I've, I've always been very good at like, I'm exceptionally almost to an annoying extent detail oriented, um, mm -hmm. but I, um, I'm very like, um, like I see patterns very quickly and very easily. Yeah, pattern recognition. Um, yeah. That's a big answer. So, I mean, multiple that, choice tests. Oof, I, I, don't, I don't give a shit if I don't even know the topic. I could seem to figure I, those I mean, out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could, I could pass a test just based on the statistical, you know, whatever of getting the answers right. But you know, I made it through college just examining patterns, and you know, when it comes to like you know computers and some of the stuff that I did with robotics, um, you know, learning programming languages was pretty easy. I couldn't read the textbook, but if you showed it to me, I would pick up on the, the, the concepts really quickly. And, you know, that's one of those things that, you know, had it been more accepted when I was a kid, um, you know, I might've had an easier time in school. Well, yeah. But... You wonder, you wonder how far you could have gone. I mean, that was me. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, I've only really feel like I've unlocked a lot of my potential in the last fucking three years. Like what would my, ways. what would my SAT score really be if yeah. I'd stayed awake through it? <laughs> yeah. If I had actually been able to focus, if I had actually had support and, and help and yeah. now I try to give that to my kids, um, yeah. you know, especially my daughter, because I think she suffers from a lot of the same issues. I, I think they may even be even uh, more present in her. So it's, um, it's an interesting, I was not, uh, you know, expecting that. I don't think we've ever talked about that. 
So it's really interesting to hear that from your perspective, because it's something that I'm literally, I'm not even kidding. Uh, I'm halfway through editing a video where I was, um, you know, going to release it here probably in the next week or so uh, of me talking about my experience um, being diagnosed as an adult, the stigma, you know, um, trying to find the right treatments and, you know, kind of how change, how life changing it's been for me. Um, we also did have Levi. He joined in and uh, also mentioned only read two books in his life. One was James and the Giant Peach. Okay. <laughs> fourth grade. I, I don't think that's one of the longer books, so I can see why you made it through <laughs> that one. Uh, and then the other one was Oleander. Um, audio, he agrees with me on audiobooks. So uh, I, I'll never forget the first series I ever read. It's so funny. I have them over here. I, I say read again on audio format was Game of Thrones. And so okay. I have the books here. I've never read a single page of this series. Like, in you know, fiction. I, <laughs> I got this for show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fiction, I could see that working really well as an audiobook. Yeah. Especially if like it's well produced where it's got like uh, a lot of them, like they'll have actors who like do the, the different voices and some of them even have like sound effects and stuff and it can help to keep you more engaged. I don't know. I've always felt kind of ashamed of it though. Cause it almost, I don't, I feel like there's this perception that like it's cheating. Like, Oh, well you didn't really read it. You, you listened yeah. to it. <laughs> but I whatever. Mean, I got the information. That's what matters. When it comes to like reading and like books and stuff, it's like, I don't know. It's one of those things that I've just always just kind of felt like it's like this pressure to like appreciate books. You're not smart unless you read. Right. It's like, yeah, you're yeah, smart. That's right. like the social. Right. Oh, how many books have you read? Yeah. Right. And you like, you know, the see you see, you know, during the COVID era, you know, so many people using, you know, their background is, you know, a grand bookcase with all their books. And, you know, everybody's like, well, what is so-and-so reading? Um, you know, my wall would just be blank. Well, and, and yeah, there are, there is this like, and you'll, you might feel me on this as a YouTube creator. Like there's this stigma against certain types of media, even if the information is the same, right? Like if I tell you, I read an article from, uh, you know, Stanford professor, for example, Right. For some reason, that's more respected than if I told you I watched a video of the exact same information uh, on YouTube from the exact same Stanford professor who just happened to share the video on YouTube. And yeah. there's like it's almost like this automatic reaction of, oh, you saw the video on YouTube, like whatever. Uh, but if you read the paper, even if it's the exact same information, it's less respected. And yeah. I think that's unfortunate because, yeah, I have gotten information that's the exact same information, but because I didn't read it in a book, it's just not as respected. Right. Yeah. And I think some of that probably has to do with the steps you have to take to get the paper versus the steps you have to take to get the video on YouTube. Yeah. Which at the end of the day, the information is really. Right. Yeah. Matter, I mean, right? yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter how you get it. If you know the information, if I can answer the question that should be all that matters but um very interesting uh i did want to mention um we had a few more listener comments but jesse who was the uh other co-host he'll hopefully be on on the next one he did mention that social changes do need to happen for for both genders i do agree with that um and then devilon he's going to be joining us here soon hopefully on the show 
uh, as well as a guest. And the last one that I wanted to mention from him when it comes to the social and cultural issues that need to change. And Robert, I do want to get your opinion on this one uh, in particular. Okay. Um, and I'm going to go grab a beer when you give your first answer, just so you know, so I'm still here. Um, he mentioned there needing to be a death of the to be a man or what it means to be a man tropes. Things like boys don't cry, you're emotional like a girl, uh, you have to be stoic and, you know, this non-emotional, uh, non-feeling kind of entity in order to, to really be a man or things like, oh, that's gay, you know, in, in reference to, to certain um, conversations and behavior. So I do want to get your thoughts on that. I'm going to grab a beer while you answer. Oh, boy. All right. So truth be told, I'm probably not the best person to have the answer for this because I was more or less raised by a bunch of women. <laughs> <laughs> so so not things that you've had to deal with, basically? Uh, I would say that I probably didn't have that same pressure looming over me to, you know, be a man, you know, uh, masculinity, meat. Like I, I, I never, I never really felt that. Um, with that said, I think there is certainly a lot of social pressure for a man to behave in a certain way, and I think one of those things that probably, probably the thing that I personally deal with the most, and I find myself having to like um, actively handle it or actively speak on it is that I I don't care for sports. Like I don't do sports at all. <laughs> right there with you. <laughs> like, I think it is the most boring thing the the most, the worst way to spend your time ever is just about any sport. Like I, I just, I don't get it. I've never understood uh, the attraction to sports. Like I just, I don't get it. Um, and I feel like that's the thing that I end up having to explain a lot because like, you know, see, you know, guys and just the arbitrary, hey, I don't really know you, but you're here in front of me for some reason thing is, hey, did you see the game? Yeah. And I'm like, sorry, no. However, um, I have learned that you can have any conversation about sports by just repeating the same question, like, just ask whatever they ask you, just return it to them as a question. And you can make it through at least 10 minutes of a sports conversation without actually saying anything. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so and so, you see that pass? Did you see it? Did you? That was crazy. What did you think about that? And you just let them talk. Well, uh, and then I don't, then one... I don't have to have the conversation. For one, we're on the same page. We actually did have a brief conversation on uh, on the first episode last time with Jesse, where I talked about that and how, like, I've always been thrown off by how how justified a stranger even feels coming up and asking me about some some sports event that happened the night before. And I'm like, well, do I come up and ask you about the latest video game randomly or like the latest Game of Thrones expert uh, or episode or, or whatever, House of the Dragon? And it does seem to be something that's just assumed and it's just a, uh, a more cultural norm. I did want to say, you mentioned that the to be a man tropes aren't something that you've really had to deal with, but 
you did also talk about earlier how you faced certain emotions and emotional hardships even as a new father recently yeah. and you shared some of them here did you do you feel like that's something that you felt okay or free to share openly outside of you know being asked or specifically being on a podcast focused on mental health because i i think you actually mm -hmm. gave some examples of how you don't feel is free to talk about those things in general yeah um you know the the reality of being a man in a relationship that's just had a baby come into it the destigmatization of that happens at such a close level that i don't think will like not in our lifetimes mm. um because you're basically asking a partner who's going you know who's gone through something is dealing with things on a chemical level you're asking a lot for them to modify a behavior or to sort of make that change like i just feel like that that chasm is a lot wider um than a lot of other issues um and the the things that perpetuate it are more complicated mm. but it's um, not something too complicated. but in general society like would you feel pressure not to for example i go in at work every day and we have a huddle and um you know our boss always shares you know hey everybody you know share what's kind of going on with you would you feel that there's been any any pressure that you felt that would prevent you from saying like, hey, no, shit's been hard. Um, I'm dealing with these emotions because of, you know, the new. Hey, my wife things. hates me for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that kind of shit. Would you do you feel like you've had some pressure not to? I do feel like I have felt that pressure in the past. I don't blame anyone in particular. It's not like somebody told me, hey, you can't share that. But I, I yeah. felt more of a you know, uh, under the surface kind of pressure not to share that kind of stuff. And I've, I've actually started to make kind of a change purposefully yeah. and um, very consciously where we will have those meetings and I will come out with what the fuck is, is, is going on um, specifically because I'm tired of not talking about those things. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think for me personally, it's been more of a like, these are just parts of the unspoken part of our society. You know, it, this, there, there's, there's so much nuance uh, to American culture in general. And then you have the regional part that to take into account as well um, to where, you know, there's any number of things that if you start saying stuff out loud, it gets weird real quick. Um, yeah. And I feel like, you know, a lot of things surrounding relationships as it relates to you know having children there's just so much that you're not allowed to say um you know you're not really allowed to talk about um and you know people get really strong feelings about those things if you happen to talk about it, or even if you graze the surface mm -hmm. um but i mean you know kind of i kind of alluded to it earlier but i mean i think most of the, the pressure is really 
that as a man, you just have to be okay. Yeah. Like you, you deal with this on your own right now. This is your job is to, to handle this. And not only is it your job, but you have to be happy about it. Like I remember when my kids were younger, like, you know, Oh yeah, no, they're great. Blah, blah, blah. Like if I had a kid now, I would absolutely be like, no, that little shit. You (laughs) would not shut the fuck up. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, I can wrap my head I can wrap my head around. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. They annoy you more than anything else at certain ages, for sure. Um, anyway, Robert, I have had such a great time with you. Um, when it comes to that last question, uh, Devlon, if you're out there, uh, I do hope that we bring that topic back up if you uh, end up joining us soon as a guest as well, because I would love to get his thoughts on it. He's a, a deep thinking, wonderful individual. Brian, thank you for joining. Jesse, hope to see you next time. Justin, I'm not sure where you went, but uh, definitely hope to see you next time. Uh, and then for anybody out there who's stuck with us viewing, uh, Levi, you especially, um, thank you for your comments and and some of your questions and things. Hopefully uh, we were able to answer or at least in, include some of it. Uh, Robert, you have quite a few things going on. I will be scheduling that appointment with Sierra very soon, as I said, for advice on my future. Um, but tell everybody about what you got going on. He's got, uh, well, I'm going to go ahead and just throw part of it out there. You got an amazing YouTube channel. Um, you had some great content recently. YouTube Um, channel that no one watches. Oh, get at it, dude. Uh, if I, if I could get even half of some of the numbers that you've been able to get, I would be happy. So, uh, but keep that in mind. (laughs) If I'm going to plug anything, it'll be that, uh, yeah. I have a YouTube channel, uh, Food and Travel Vlogs. Uh, it's called That Guy You Met Today. And you can find that on YouTube. Just type in That Guy You Met Today. Um, I think you put it all together, actually, and that'll make it easier to find. Uh, but, um, yeah, we uh, recently went on a trip to the Philippines to kind of eat our way around that country. And those videos are going up um, once a week. Uh, I was trying to do sunday afternoon but it just uh at at some point within a week <laughs> they'll come yeah. out yeah, um, be careful making too too much of a commitment <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i want to definitely get down to a schedule but um yeah just over the next uh, couple of years my plan is to travel asia in particular eating my way uh through a few different countries and uh, definitely welcome anybody to come along on that ride with me. One of the things that I do that's a bit different from a lot of other travel vloggers is that I really focus on what this kind of travel is like with the family. Um, so um, my wife and my son are along for the ride and for our trip to the Philippines before. At the time, he was 11 months old. So, yes, we took an 11-month-old to the other side of the planet. And guess what? It was fun. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that that's definitely unique uh, when it comes to travel vloggers. I've seen uh, quite a few, but I've never seen one with an 11-month-old uh, yeah. going across the world. Yeah, so, if I had a nickel for every person, it was like, you're doing what with a what? <laughs> and we did, and honestly, it wasn't that big a deal. It really yeah. wasn't. Well, I love it. You put a lot of quality into it, um, and, I and I really respect that, it's especially as somebody who doesn't put much quality into anything. I'm just like, yeah, I just like talking. That's it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, No, I loved having you on. Uh, I'm going to shoot you an invite, uh, and I would love to have you on future episodes as well. I, I honestly, yeah, for as many years as we knew, I got some insights into, into a little bit about you. 
uh, on this conversation. So thank you again for joining. I will put a link to um, to his channel in the YouTube uh description for for this video if you happen to be watching on youtube if you happen to be watching at all um you can also in that uh description find a link to the men's mental health group uh men's mental health support group that we had discussed quite a few times during this episode i post polls there um it's not like designed around this channel or anything it's it's uh more for men's mental health support in general and then i just happen to also uh, use it to get some content as far as things to talk about and topics. So if you are looking for a group of fellow men, uh, it's a very supportive group. It's small. Uh, try and keep it small and high quality. Uh, feel free to check out the link and you can join. Uh, other than that, thank you again, uh, Robert, for joining me and everybody else who was on here. And uh, you have a great night. All right, bud. All right, man. Always a pleasure.